call this a prequel to the rest of the episode. When Joe Dull was found in possession of classified documents he had no entitlement to, and that he shared them with uncleared personnel, Special Prosecutor Robert Herr was appointed to investigate. Keep in mind the word prosecutor as we progress here. The finding released yesterday stated that Biden did willfully swipe materials he had no business swiping and that he willfully shared them with uncleared personnel. The prosecutor concluded that old Joe is so far gone mentally that there's no point in bringing charges. So much is wrong here. And understand, the last possibility I can live with is a president Kamala Harris. But her was not appointed as special defense attorney. He was appointed as special prosecutor. If charges are warranted, it would be up to the job of the real defense for Joseph R. Biden to make the case for diminished capacity, not the prosecutor's job. So, as usual, we can deduce from the unfolding of events the fix is in. Here's the deal. The White House, run by Barack Obama, tells the prosecutor to pull a Comey, there's a footnote, and say he won't bring charges because Joe is a broccoli. The White House press office says, no way, Joe is in complete control of his faculties. And you have the pre-planned Mexican standoff. The problem is whether he is competent to serve as POTUS. Her says not. But the White House says no. Joe is fully capable of realizing that what he did with the documents was a crime at the time he did it. We are fully through the looking glass here. Welcome to the Political Party Pooper Playbook. And if you thought all we did was sit around thinking up ways to poop on empty suit politicians, well, you'd be half right. This is indeed the P4B. I'm your host, the slim, trim, and racy Matt Jordan. Today we will discuss The Mentor to Revolutionaries, a book review. Jefferson's Godfather, The Man Behind the Man by Suzanne Munson. Before we get to the meat of the program, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Chris Briscoe. He has a cool business fixing wheels on cars. Not tires, the wheels themselves. Mostly decorative rims. I clipped a curb in a tunnel a while back, hit it pretty good, and dinged up the left rims pretty badly. Uh, price per wheel was $450. The same day I was finally pricing the parts, I ran into Chris towing his business behind him. For a couple hundred bucks, I have liked new wheels again. This is not a paid endorsement. Chris is a nice guy who did a good job at a very good price. So I thought I'd mention it. So if you live in Southern Maryland or in Virginia, between, say, Richmond and D.C., 
and you have an affinity for caressing curbs with your deluxe rims, call Chris. His info is on his card, which is in the text below the audio line. First, my commentary on the news. Well, boys and girls, the political whores were out in force on Wednesday with their idiotic talk blaming Trump for our present border madness. Over one million known illegals this fiscal year to date. When trying to assess the hubris and arrogance of these wretched people, language fails. Here are some of the points the horse were trying to make after the failure of the border-slash-Ukraine bill. Number one, the Dems compromised and gave the GOP what they wanted. Have you ever heard anything more removed from reality? The quote bill, intended to fail by the Dems, was a bucket load of shit no responsible adult in these United States wants. It was a grab bag of Democrat wet dreams and nothing for the opposition, not even for conservative Democrats. Point number two, the quote bill increases funding for border security. If you believe that one, don't show up at your state's primaries, or any election for that matter. You're too stupid to vote. The spending on the border was to increase the size of the welcome wagon, so the empty federal uniforms, devoid of dignity, could wave through more unvetted, likely diseased illegals and cut them loose in our population. Point three. The quote bill secures the border. Okay. For the truly credulous, listen closely. The border was already a murderous free-for-all when the daily invasion numbered a thousand illegals per day. Now it runs into several thousands. And that is what the, quote, bill was intended to codify into law. Did you know the bill had more money in it for sanctuary cities? That was the primary cushion that draws the diseased masses here to begin with. How the hell does more money for them help? Lankford, McConnell, and the Senate Democrat Caucus are whores. And the garbage they brought up this week in the Senate was designed to fail so these whores could say it was right-wing extremists that are stopping us from solving the border problem. Well, you big bag of dicks, I suppose 73% of Americans are right-wing extremists. Because that's who wants the invasion shut down. If you fail to recognize when you are being played this nakedly, you lack both intelligence and dignity. Pray you are not in the majority, because if your tribe prevails, you will get the shitty country you deserve. Who's to say we don't have that already? But honest, hard-working citizens don't deserve it. Seal the border. Start deportations now. good look at the mug in the ad in the text below the audio line. It is tongue-in-cheek, but it is something you should be thinking about.
Here's a chance to start fighting back quietly. It's a subtle message delivered without shouting. Uh, you can check out all the P4 gear at the same place. Just go to poriver.etsy.com, all one word, and scroll to P4B gear on the left. Or just click the link. Byron, please. As of Wednesday, the regime's bootlickers in the DOJ have wrapped up their pretend investigation into Biden's handling of classified documents. Even as favorable as they'll try to make it for Joe Duh, understand this. By the time you see it, it will have been twisted into a pretzel to avoid stating one obvious fact. Old Joe committed many counts of illegal acts by stealing classified documents. I listened to Byron York comment on Wednesday night. He's an okay conservative, as TV commentators go. But in his assessment of this case, he whiffed it badly. When asked about the end of the investigation, he said there was a distinct difference between the Biden document case and the Trump document case. He said the difference is that Trump, quote, obstructed the investigation into his possession of documents while Joe Duh did not. That ranks up there with the dim talking points I discussed just a minute ago. The primary difference between Trump's documents and the puppet's case is that Biden stole the documents. He had absolutely no authority to remove them from the spaces in which he viewed them. Trump has a document-by-document document case to make for what he could declassify and remove as POTUS. And here he has the advantage over his persecutors. No, I did not misspeak. And as each count drops away, and they will, there is in each no obstruction possible. Only the assertion of the defendant's rights under his office. Damn, Byron, get your shit together. <laughs> Okay, on with the learning. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Suzanne Munson. You can see that episode in a link in the text below the audio line. Her two major works are the one in the episode title and the metaphysical Thomas Jefferson. From the outset, I made it clear to Susan that it was the Jefferson book that sparked my interest in an interview, but I was actually more excited to read about George Wythe. We all possess at least a fair amount of knowledge about Jefferson. Anyone with the least interest can read any one of dozens of biographies on the man. It is our failing that we know so little about the man who not only shaped Jefferson's career, but was an important guiding hand in the birth of these United States of America. So many of the traits we admire about T.J. were made part of his life due to his tutelage with George Wythe. Wythe was fascinated with astronomy, history, language, medicine, statesmanship, agriculture, social dignity, and emancipation long before he would meet the author of the Declaration of Independence. 
These are all traits that fascinate us about Jefferson. All this and much more is brought to light in Munson's excellent biography of the man we should know much more about. We learn about his healthy, almost fastidious habits that put him generations ahead of his peers. For example, he bathed daily. We get to know the man who was considered perhaps the most incorruptible man in Virginia. In telling us of Wythe and his world, the author brings to life the sights, sounds, grit, beauty, and smells, not all of them pleasant, of the 18th century Virginia. In learning what moved Wythe, we learn what shaped the loose band of colonies that would very quickly form a new nation, very much in the mold Wythe would inspire. The reader will also see many of the names we see as legendary. Washington, Madison, Adams, Franklin, attached to people who were men who would become legends, thanks to their exposure to the intellect and vision of George Wythe. Perhaps we can make Franklin an exception to that, as he was a peer of George's and a world figure in his own right. To understand Wythe is to understand the most essential underpinnings, not only of the Revolution, but the foundation upon which this nation staggered onto the world stage. Without his steady hand at the till in the early days, forming the minds that would stand in our courts and legislatures, who knows what might have become of us. There is much for anyone to learn and emulate in George Wythe, but young men especially would do well to shape their lives as he did. Suzanne gives us all of this in a pleasant, readable narrative. One can see the moments of fun the author had in connecting old cliches to where they may have first been uttered. And that flavor, along with her detailed understanding of politics, society, and commerce of the age, places us in the streets of Williamsburg and Greater Virginia in the life and times of George Wythe. I give Jefferson's Godfather four stars and a strong recommendation. If you're a student of early American history, it's a must-read. There are only two healthy places for your eyeballs, here and in a good book. Some of you may have noticed that a lot of the books I review here and did in my old WordPress days are not new. My goal is not to promote the newest bestsellers, although I am open for business if you need a promo, but to encourage readers the habit of reading for enjoyment. As well, I wanted to offer regular readers a list of choices they may not have considered before. For my part, when browsing a bookstore, a great pastime if you haven't tried it, I almost never buy a book. It is often too hard to decide what to choose from reading one front flap after another. Sometimes I score. But usually if I buy a book at a brick and mortar, it was one that I went with the intention to buy. I have more often than not bought books on trusted recommendations or as a branch of research. My second review today is After Dunkirk by Lee Jackson. Uh, my habit is to read for fun over breakfast, uh, then start my day. Lately, I've been pursuing series packages. The most recent of these is the series that starts with the book After Dunkirk. 
I have one or two installments left before I find out how World War II ended. The books are pretty basic, but with characters and storylines the reader wants to see to the end. Most of the main characters are relatable and easy to sympathize with. To be honest, the storyline is what hooked me. It is perfect for two types of readers. The perfect age group for this series would be young adult. The plot feels a bit like Hardy Boys meet World Conflagration. The Littlefield family members, time and again, find themselves sitting across the room from Winston Churchill, FDR, famous field commanders, and other movers and shakers of the period. It's all pretty standard stuff as historical fictions go, but it is a bit ham-handed. An example of how such works should develop would be Herman Woke's Winds of War, to be featured here soon. So along with young readers, if you are a person not likely to pick up a tome from the likes of Woke or Ladislas Farago, but you really like World War II stories, this series is for you. You get to see real events unfold up close. Historical figures take on a more human stature. The characters are your eyes and ears. It's an easy, fun read. It can be a list of beach books lasting for several weeks of your summer, or just something to do instead of watching Joe Rogan shows, which you should never do anyway. He is so last week. I'm the man now. I give the entire After Dunkirk series three stars. Recommend for enjoyable light reading. If you start the series and like the Littlefield backstory, you'll finish the lot. You can get your copy at a link at the end of the text. Be sure to use all the buttons at the top and bottom of the text. We live and die by the share and subscribe buttons. Send inquiries to poriverproductions at gmail.com. Thank you very much for joining us today.